the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. With a cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church, and we're live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, you may or may not be aware that there is a war raging all around us. It's not a war of guns and missiles, however. In the end, it may prove to be just as deadly. It's not a war over land and territories, but it is a war to capture and influence the hearts and minds of our society. It is a cultural war. Tonight, we bring you part 8D in our series talking about 10 cultural and current issues that affect us as individuals, that affect our families, our churches, our communities, and our world at large. These cultural and current issues not only affect us, but can lead us in the wrong direction, away from God and away from our fellow man. The real issue is how do we respond to these cultural and current issues from a biblical and apologetic perspective? Well, the answer to this and much, much more Stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that challenging and uplifting uh, introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And we know that you're going to be blessed tonight in a mighty way. So we want to encourage you to get your pens and paper and your Bibles and get close to a table and a chair and get blessed by this good uh, meat that will be given out to you tonight. Um, we have been doing this series uh, from Romans 13 and verse 11, titled, Not Woke Up, But Awaken Up. And that's what the Apostle Paul is using, those words about awaken. Because a lot of people are asleep in so many different ways. And we need to wake up from sin, from addiction, from cults, from uh, the cultural wars, and so many other things that we are asleep like zombies into. Now, I want to say this by way of introduction, and you might want to write it down. I heard this saying and it ministered to me and it uh, touched me to share it with you. And uh, it goes like this. Sometimes God ruins your plans. So your plans don't ruin you. How about that? Let me say that again. 
Sometimes God ruins your plans so your plans don't ruin you. And that's a powerful point there because we have a lot of plans that are not of God's plan. And especially when it comes to sexual issues and transgenderism and so many other things. Uh, there was uh, a hospital uh, known as Boston Children Hospital says, kids know uh, they are trans, trans from the womb and now is now deleted video. So they got put pressure on them. So they deleted the video. But this is how sick our world is today. You know, it's a sick world and sick people in the world. And only Jesus can heal you, my friend, of that sickness. He came uh, as a great physician to heal the sick. Now, also by way of introduction, I want to say that we are committed uh, as the staff of Contending for the Faith. We are committed to 1 Peter 3, 15. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you a uh, reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Now, uh, I know that in this world by which we live today, that there is a lot of pressure everywhere we turn in our world today, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on pastors, pressure uh, on them to give reasons and answers and uh, non pastors, but just lay persons to give answers, reasons, when it comes to the transgender issues and the woke issues and all of that. And the Bible is calling upon us to do that. Uh, in Ezekiel 33, 8 and 9, it said, if you don't warn the wicked to turn from his wicked way, that wicked man will die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require of thee. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his wicked way, you have delivered your own soul. So you want to deliver your own soul by sharing the truth of the gospel. As Jesus said, the truth will make people free. Now, uh, at the center of this transgenderism is an attack upon the Christian worldview. And God is calling upon us to contend for the faith, to give answers. And you know, my friend, uh, this is another heavy point here. Make a note of this, that everybody uh, in the world, no matter how deep they are in sin, they are coming out of the closet. Have you noticed that? Transgenderism, homosexuality, lesbianism, and uh, people fornicating, people stripping, and all this other crazy stuff, drugs, they're all in the open. They've come out of the closet. <laughs> but the church, in many ways, is still in the closet. They haven't come out to be the salt and light of the world. And God is calling upon us to be the salt and light, the salt to preserve a decaying world, the light to shine the light in the midst of the darkness. And that's what God is calling upon us to do. And we will be held accountable if we don't do that. Now, uh, this whole issue of this transgenderism uh, is, note, note this, it is an attack. It is an attack upon the very existence of God. 
It is an attack upon the existence of God. See, if you can deny the existence of God, his being, then you can deny the being of human beings. It's an ontological issue. The word ontological is a word that refers to the being, the being of God. You know, so David made it clear. He said, the fool, he said it in Psalms 53 and 1, uh, and uh, he said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And even also in Psalms well, 14 and 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And then Paul talked about in Romans chapter uh, 1, he talked about the existence of God as it relates to the first sea, that God created the world, creation. Romans chapter 2 talks about the second sea. These are three seas. The conscience. God has revealed himself in the conscience of man. And I had a philosopher teacher, Dr. Cunningham, who said something so profound. He said, every man has a sense of oughtness in his conscience. He knows what he ought to do and what he ought not to do. And then uh, Romans chapter 3, the third C, God has revealed himself in Christ. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, man is without an excuse. In Romans 1 and 2, he's without an excuse. Excuses don't excuse, they only accuse, my friend. And now when man can try to deny the existence of God, then he can deny the existence of man's being. See, he first attacks the, uh, the ontological being of God, you know, and if he can deny that, that's why they hate Genesis. They hate the book of Genesis, you know, the evolutionists, and then the atheists, agnostics, and skeptics, because it talks about the being of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can deny that, the being of God, then you can deny the being of man, that man. So what they do now, and uh, I'm getting into this uh, point here, this fourth point, the transgender debate questions whether man, uh, men and women, and moms and dads are really real. See, if you can deny that God is real, then you go to the next step and say that man and woman is really not real when it comes to masculinity and femininity. See, you see the catch on words there, you know, and they attack the true maleness, the true femaleness. And they try to say in the transgender cult that teaches that a man or a woman is determined by someone's mind and will. See, they will go to the mind and will over the physical body, see? But you you cannot deny the fact that there is a God because he has revealed himself in time and space. He has revealed himself through his word, through his spirit. And I want to say this in conclusion that satan is behind uh these big attacks 
of trying to erase the biblical motif and the biological significance of maleness and femaleness, the way God has knitted us in the womb and created us. Now, this is what I'm going to say as well by way of conclusion. Be careful. I'm warning the church. Be careful. Put on the full armor of God and know your Bible and know the truth of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, especially the first chapters of Genesis. Satan hated Genesis 1 and 2 so much that he jumped into Genesis chapter 3 to get Adam and Eve to deny the being of God and their own existence. Now, I want to say that God is calling upon the church to have Christian courage, to have Christian boldness, to come out of the closet, just like the world is outside their closet we need to come outside our closet, you know, and shine so that people can see that we are in Christ, who is the light of the world. That's the thing that's going to bring them out of darkness, because Jesus said, man, don't come to the light. Now, he said this in John 3, you know, when you, we talk about their atheists, agnostics, and skeptics, no, the Bible teaches that there's no such thing as an atheist agnostic and skeptic. These are terms that man has created. The Bible teaches that man is aware of God, but he's denying him. Now, this is the thing that's important for us to understand, is that Jesus said in John 3, why don't men come to the light? Because they love darkness more than the light. It's not an issue of whether God exists or not. It's an issue that they love darkness more than light. Jesus is the great authority on this. Now, our call is for our Christian courage, Christian boldness. God is calling upon us for, for Christian commitment to come out of the closet, to talk to people about their true identity, true belonging, from not only a biological, but a biblical and historical perspective in Christ through the Word of God. Now, Satan is in the business of attacking the design of God. And what God is in the business of is designing us, molding us, and creating us into his Imago Day. Now, I'm going to close on this. I want you to say this with me. Dear Lord, forgive me of denying who I am in Christ. I confess my sins and I repent even my sins of fornication and adultery. Because when I commit those sins, even pornography, I'm denying who I really am in Christ. So help me, Lord. Give me the three H's, help, healing, and hope. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches regarding who we really are in Christ. Brother Gary. Well, all right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith. 
with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And so every week, you know, we, we always want to uh, validate you, our listening audience. Many of you have been with us from the very beginning, you know, going on 20 years back and have supported this ministry through your consistent prayer. And this is a prayer-driven ministry. And we want to encourage you to continue to pray for contending for the faith. It's so vital. We know we wouldn't be on the air if it weren't for the prayers that go up uh, on behalf of this ministry. So keep praying. Second thing we want to encourage you to do is to continue to give. This is a listener-supported ministry, and we need your support in that area as well. We need about $100 in order to uh, make tonight's payment. So we want to encourage you, if God has blessed you in that area, uh, you know, go online to contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button. It's that simple. You can make that uh, donation right now. You can do it tonight and get us over the hump. And uh, Or you can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. But again, it's so much easier. Just go online right now to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button. Help us eliminate that $100 debt that we need and, and even give beyond that because we still have to pay for next week's broadcast and the next week's broadcast after that. So it's an, it's an ongoing situation. It's an ongoing blessing that you can be through your prayers and through your financial giving. All right, Dr. Buckner, you're about ready to make the uh, talk to the phone callers tonight. Let's do that, Brother Gary. All right, we have... Sophia on line one. Hi, Sophia. How are you doing? Oh, very well. You know, that your opening tonight was so unbelievable. We have the church has to be bold, has to come forward, because you're right. They're so disgusting and bold with their depravity. We have to match it with the Word of God. And, you know, you talk about put on the armor, and I do that every morning. But they talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's why contending for the faith to me has awakened me to use your word. I mean, I, you, I listen and I learn so much. The word of God is also I can. It's that the 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 armor of God is the word of God. But I get the word of God through contending for the faith in an understanding way that I wouldn't be able to have on my own. To be honest, if I just read the Bible myself. We need to be led and explained, and the way you go right to the Word. So you're part of my armor, and I wait every week for it, and it's crucial, particularly week by week. It gets worse out there in the world, and then you become more important to me, and I'm sure to all of us, because if we don't have that Word, we don't have the armor. So I just want to say that before I got to my question. Amen. Well, appreciate that. We appreciate always the encouraging words. It means the world to us in Christ, and uh, we, are, we appreciate that. And what's on your heart tonight? Well, I tell you, this is very odd. I woke up in the middle of the night, but I say the hands of God and everything. I have a radio right by my bed. So I turned it on. I don't know what I was listening to, to be honest, if it was a sermon, if it was, I don't know what it was. But it was from the Bible, the story of 
this man named, I think it was Hosea. Now, Hosea had a wife, but then he finds out that she's uh, ill repute. She's a, a kind of a prostitute. So he, I think he leaves her, and uh, I don't really get the whole thing. And then I guess the Holy Spirit or the angels say, no, 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 that's your wife, you go find her. So he goes to this other city and goes in these horrible places of ill repute, these houses of prostitution. He's looking all over. I don't remember her name. But he says, is, is she here? My wife is my bride here. And they say, no, 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 we didn't want any trouble. We didn't know, but we saw her a week ago. Then he goes from place to place to place. It was so sad. And then finally one says to him, well, I didn't know she was your wife, so don't get mad at me, but she's over on the slave block. So then he goes running, 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 um, to even though he knows she's a prostitute. And there she is, this poor thing. She's all haggard and drawn because she's probably been with all these disgusting men and maybe hasn't eaten, and she has shackles. And even the auctioneer says, well, when we get to this one, it's going to be a very low bid because nobody's going to want her. And at that point, I'm hysterical crying. And then he says, cries out, he says, no, 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 I'll... I'll bid for her. I'll buy her. That's my wife. And so then he gives the same amount of money. That ironically, that I think um, w- was paid for the when they crucified Jesus, 30 shekels. He gives barley oil. And then he takes her, even though her head is hanging in shame. And it's so sad. I'm hysterical crying. But he takes her in his arms and takes her off the slave block and then home with him. And I don't know, understand what that means, where the story came from, but it was so moving. So I hope maybe you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, one of the things you have to look at with the whole story is that, you know, Gomer's sin and adultery led her into a slavery and bondage. And uh, just like uh, sin uh, has led us into bondage, uh, and uh, led us away from Christ. It's a beautiful picture of a prophet being used by God to even uh, marry a prostitute, a person who is in the state that she's in, uh, to show this immeasurable love that uh, God has uh, for uh, Israel. He had a tremendous love for for them. And, and yet, you know, God is looking at the bigger picture, not only of Hosea and uh, his wife that he chose, but God is using Hosea to shock Israel because they are into idolatry and sin too. So when they found out that Hosea had went and uh, got and saved a prostitute, a person who was into this life of adultery and this lifestyle, and to bring her out of it and with this tremendous amount of love and to lower himself down to that level to love somebody in that state, it's a picture of uh, a typology, even though Jesus was without sin, it's a picture of Jesus loving us despite the lifestyle that we have. And then he ends up marrying her 
And then there's going to be one day in the book of Revelation when the end comes where we're going to have a marriage feast with Christ. So you see a lot of typology pictures of this person, but you have to look at the bigger picture too, that what God was doing through Hosea was a balanced perspective. He was showing his love through Hosea for this lady, like Christ has love for us, but he's also um, convicting the uh, Judah and Israel of their sins of adultery and all of that, because they were completely shocked out of their wits that Hosea would do something like that. And then people were shocked out of their wits that Jesus would come to the earth in the form of a man and be born in a, in a you know, Bethlehem in a smelly place among dirty, smelly sheep. And yet that was love immeasurable. And so we have a lot of typologies here that we can see in this story. And it kind of like, let me say this last of all, it's kind of like when you look at the story of the prodigal son, you always got to look at scripture at the bigger picture. So what is Jesus doing? He's talking about the prodigal son, right? And how he uh, left home and he uh, went and uh, got into the sheep, the pig's pen and got amongst the slop of the pigs and then he came to his senses and came back home. When he came back home, his brother got jealous and envious of him coming back home and the father having a big party for him. Well, what was Jesus trying to do with that bigger picture? Around him was the religious leaders, and he was literally spiritually slapping them in the face with their pride and their self-righteousness, that we are better than the Gentiles, we're better than sinners, they're sinners themselves, and yet, so always you got to look at the bigger picture. What is God trying to do to Judah and Israel through Hosea, and what is God doing, and Jesus doing in most of his teaching to uh, the religious leaders who are back looking at everything that's going on, even the lady caught in the act of adultery, you know, even though some say that that's not in the original canon, but the story itself, you can learn a lot of lessons because the fact of the matter is, is that there was religious leaders who were, some say, that was having adultery with the woman themselves. And that's why they ended up leaving because they their own conscience was guilty. So hopefully looking at the bigger picture of this story, uh, what God is trying to do through Hosea, not only with his love, but the convicting the nation, Israel, Judah, and yet the immeasurable love and the typology of Christ in this will give some deeper insight to you. I had no idea. You know, that that I didn't even realize, the, as you say, the larger picture. So thank you so much for that. And, you know, that's a sign of... It, we forget how I don't mean we forget. I forget sometimes how much God loves us, and He loves us. What you said in your opening about you know sometimes our plans are not our plans. Our plans He takes them away from us to protect us. Well, sometimes we have to be disciplined by a loving Father, and He. Loves us. So I'm I'm so grateful for that explanation, and so grateful for contending for the faith. And God bless you both. God bless you, too. Thank you so much for your call and your question, too.
Okay. Well, let's quickly um, go to uh, Jermaine on line three, and maybe we'll get Brother Rick afterwards. Brother Jermaine, how are you doing? Oh, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Well, that's good. Good to hear your voice, my brother. We trust that you got encouraged by the word tonight. Yeah, I always get encouraged, Dr. Bunker. It's, uh, it's one of those things where I have to go back and listen multiple times, but yeah, it's a blessing. Amen. What was something that stood out uh, that ministered to you? Well, I think just, you know, again, it, it, it's it's the same message, but it, it's almost like you're in a boxing match and you, you keep throwing jabs and jabs and jabs because it's necessary. We really need to, to tell the truth about this whole trans issue, this, this confusion that's going on. Um, you know, I heard the Russian president mention something about uh, basically the West being satanic, and it's hard to say he was wrong based on all this mm-hmm. confusion. So just hitting, you know, stick, sticking with God's word as definitions of what men and women are versus uh, the world. Amen. That's so true. Well, let's get to, uh, appreciate that. Let's get to your question, and then uh, we may have to go to a commercial break. We'll come back and address it. What's on your heart? Well, I just felt... Um, want to finish up with this uh, tongues debate. I, I see a lot of my charismatic friends and family who they'll say things like the version of speaking in tongues that they do, it confuses the devil and it's heaven's language and, you know, it, uh, it's a weapon. I know that to be a myth based on what I read and they can't prove it from scripture. You know, you can't prove that demons and, and Satan are confused by what you're saying. That, that's kind of laughable to me. And I just wanted you to develop that. Where where could they possibly get those concepts from? Okay, well, that sounds like a good question there. And Brother Gary, let's uh, turn it over to you, and we'll come back with Jermaine, and hopefully we'll get Rick back. Okay, well, uh, it's time for us to take a quick commercial break. Our phone lines are open, and uh, we want to hear from you. That number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. That's one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. So once again, don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry Albuckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith and all of you who have generously given to this ministry. It is a prayer-driven ministry, and it's a listener-supported ministry, and we need both to be consistent in order to do the work that God has called us to do here. Uh, There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or a money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. And the second way is so much simpler. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, 
click on the donate button and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. We need $100 tonight in order to uh, be current. So if God has blessed you to be able to do that, hey, now's the time. Uh, listen to the Spirit as, as He moves upon your heart and, and make that 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 uh, move toward the computer. Click on that donate button and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. All right, Dr. Buckner, ready to get back to Jermaine? Let's do that, Brother Gary. All Jermaine, right. are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. Oh, good. Right. We have a much better connection. Thank you for uh, being patient and calling back. Well, you were concerned about tongues, and there's a lot of confusion, and some people talk about this a heavenly language, and you're concerned about where uh, this comes from, uh, because you've seen a lot of things that is not of God. Well, let me just say this for clarification, that I do believe in the spiritual gifts of, of grace. Uh, I'm charismatic, but in the uh, New Testament sense, not in the Pentecostal sense. So I want to make a distinction between that, you know, and uh, I think that there's several different perspectives of, of the spiritual gifts of grace, including tongues, that some, uh, I believe, like myself, interpret it correctly, and there's others, uh, churches that are in denial about uh, the uh, gifts of grace that they believe that they have ceased. And then there are others who uh, believe in the gifts of grace, but they abuse it. So there's a lot of ignorance going on. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, plural, uh, brethren, I would not have you uh, be ignorant. There's a lot of people ignorant regarding spiritual gifts because they haven't been discipled properly. Now, when it comes to um, people interpreting spiritual gifts uh, correctly, there are some that do. And they look at the context of Scripture where it talks about there is a, a spiritual tongue uh, for the uh, edification of the body of Christ, and you always got to have uh, an interpreter, two or more. I mean, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul makes this clear in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And then he also says there's a private tongue. That's between you and uh, God, and, and that's where he talks about that as well. But there are people that are in the body of Christ that, like I said, some will interpret it that way in the context of Scripture, and they will also uh, interpret it correctly by what the Apostle Paul says uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and verses 27 through 30, uh, do all speak in tongues, do, are all apostles, prophets, and, uh, you know, it, it gets into so that Paul lets us know that not all do it. So not all have the gifts, but some of them want to say that something is lacking in your life. If you don't uh, uh, speak in tongues or uh, you are, you know, even some have gone as far as saying you're not Christian because you gotta, you're got you not filled with the Holy Spirit. There's some extreme to that level. Now, uh, when it comes to the, the, the aspects of tongues, there are people who, like I said, will interpret this thing correctly and biblically. And then there's others who are controlled by carnality. So they're into 
carnality with tongues, and they want to make everybody else speak in tongues because they are. And see, they go against what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, and then there is a third type, which is demonic. You know, there are some people demonically uh, influenced by their tongue by Satan. Now, why do I say this? Because you say, you ask the question, where does it come from? And I'm, I'm going to say some of it is carnality, uh, especially with people being ignorant. And then the, um, the, the last point that I mentioned, the third point, is where some of them is demonic. Now, this is a, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, the Apostle Paul says, Do I speak with the tongues, in verse 1, Do I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass and a tickling cymbal. So the Apostle Paul is letting us know that there is such a thing as people saying that they were influenced by angels. And then, you know, and he talks about in Galatians, is I, if I preach any other gospel, even if there's angels, let it, it is different from the gospel of Christ, let him be anathema, it's one of the strongest Greek words that the Apostle Paul could have used, that mean be a curse. So there are some people that are speaking in tongues, but it's demonic. Has nothing to do with the way Paul lays it out in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. It's either carnal or it's demonic. And especially when they're not doing it in the light of an interpreter and, you know, and two or three or more. And one of the things I really like, I'll say this in closing on this, one of the things that I like about uh, Chuck Smith, Pastor Chuck Smith, the Calvary Chapel, um, he was, he taught, you know, the gifts of tongues and the gifts of grace in his church. But they would always have a separate service. They would have a service with uh, preaching the gospel and everything like that. And then those who had a genuine gift of tongues and the interpretation, they tested it to the scriptures, and then they would have a separate service, primarily ministering to people who had those genuine gifts. So that's what I have to say on that. Uh, and Brother Gary, you want to add to that as well? Yeah, I would just say simply that there has been uh, so many extremes going on um, where there's been a, the abuse of tongues, you know, the counterfeit revival especially um, created that abuse. And so many churches saw so much weirdness that they, you know, basically threw the spiritual baby out with the, with the holy water, shall we say, <laughs> and, and, and they don't believe in tongues or, should, or tongues shouldn't be in the church at all because they're just, they don't know how to, um, they weren't discipled, they don't understand it, and they think it's all bad. And so that's that's an extreme that's just as wrong, whereas we have to always come at it, as Dr. Buckner, Buckner mentioned, from a biblical standpoint, that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They still exist today. God has not left us without the power, that dunamis that comes from the Holy Spirit, these things are for the edification of the body of Christ, and we need to exercise those gifts, uh, but do it properly. So that's my two cents. Very good, Brother Gary. Appreciate that. And, and let me just say this uh, in closing on this, Jermaine. Uh, 
a lot of the times when people are into tongues and stuff like that, uh, you have to say to yourself, where is the love? Because a lot of times they're beating people down with, you got to speak in tongues, you got to be this way, and you got to speak in tongues this way. Look, I got that gift and you don't have it. So they put on people a guilt trip. But there is no love in that because God works with all of us differently. That's why it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, there's different gifts. And to try to get everybody to be the same way that you are is not showing real love. And that's why Paul talks about, do I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love? I'm a tickling symbol and a sounding brass. And the thing is, is that love is at the center of the gifts. Because when you look at First Corinthians chapter 12, you have, then you have, after that chapter, you have First Corinthians chapter 13, and then you have the continuation of the gifts of First Corinthians chapter 14. So the gifts, the gift of love is in the middle. And that's the greatest gift. That's what Paul said. This is the greatest gift. And how often do we have people talking about that? You know, when we're talking to people and they're getting on this hype with, you got to have this gift and you got to do this and do this. Where's your love, brother? Where's your love, sister? You know, I don't see that. I see that you're loving tongues more than you're loving people and you're having the love for Christ. I think that's mm -hmm. the way we got to come at them. You got to come at them that way. The, the love like a lot of times people create yeah. uh, the, like a, a, a Christian uh, class system. You know, oh, you don't speak in tongues? Or you, you must be inferior. You know, mm -hmm. I speak in tongues. I, I, I'm a, a, an elitist Christian. I speak in tongues. You know, tongues has nothing to do with maturity. The church in Corinth, they were all babes. And the gifts were flowing. It has nothing to do with maturity. Yeah. And most of them, like I said, was carnal. Carnal. They, they, you know, they were controlled by carnality rather than the spirit of God. And we got churches that way today. Many churches that way, not all, but many. So hopefully, Jermaine, that, that helps out. We spent a little extra time with that, but hopefully that gives some extra insight to your question. Yeah, I think that helps a lot of people. That was excellent. I agree with both of you. Right there, what the Bible says. I'm not a sensationalist. No, I just I look at it like the scripture describes it. Amen. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. There's a lot of people influenced by that approach. And uh, we just got to, I mean, John MacArthur, he's a great uh, Bible teacher, and I appreciate his teaching. But when it comes to the perpetuity of spiritual gifts, uh, he doesn't uh, heed to that from that perspective. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for your uh, call and your question. God bless you, brother. All right. All right. So I think we have Brother Rick back. Brother Rick, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. yes. We can hear you loud and clear. And what's your question Amen. so we can hey. have? Got a question for you. Yes. What's, what's on Just your Just to make good use of time. Uh, were, there, was, was, were there the singing of Psalms during the Last Supper? That's a very good question because... You know, when I was coming up, I used to always hear uh, a preacher, a pastor, 
uh, will sometimes say, and, and they sung a hymn at the Last Supper, you know, and they uh, went out quietly. You, you, I used to hear that all the time from uh, the pastors that I came up with, that they sung a hymn and they left quietly. Now, where we find that at is in uh, Matthew 26 and verse 30. <clears throat> Matthew 26 and verse 30, because it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> so they did sing a hymn. The big question is, what type of hymn did they sing? <clears throat> and uh, most, many uh, biblical scholars, <clears throat> excuse me, many biblical scholars believe that it was probably Psalms 118. Some of them say it, it was Psalms 113 through 18. But when you look at Psalms 118, um, it... Uh, <laughs> It, it, yes, are you there? I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, so in, in I'm, Psalms I'm 118. What, what's in Psalm 118? Yes. Uh, and Psalms 118 is a, a powerful one. Uh, when you when you look at it, uh, let me go over there real quick to Psalms 118. Uh, and it says um, in verse 24, of Psalms 118. This is the praise of the Lord Psalm. This is the day which the Lord has made, verse 24, Psalms 118. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Glad so in it. many believe that uh, that this was the, the, the hymn, the hymn though that Jesus and the uh, disciples sung. And uh, one additional things, um, the Talmud, uh, designated Psalms uh, 113 through 18 as the the uh, the praise oh, of him, yeah, of Egypt, uh, and so that's interesting. So you you hardly ever hear somebody break it down like that. But I did some research on this while back, long ago, and it's worth noting. So I would encourage people to do some research on that. Uh, because you need to be able to give answers because it may come up and you need to know it. So uh, hopefully that, that helps to answer some of your, your, your question. I just want to, I wanted to piggyback off something uh, that was mentioned about the, um, about the return of the prodigal son. Yes. And uh -huh. I keep thinking about this when I came to Christ. One, one of the things that was mentioned to me, Mm -hmm. And when we come to Christ, the angels in heaven are celebrating. So it, it is a celebration every time somebody comes to Christ. I it just sure, want to have your comment about that. Yeah, it, it surely is. I mean, even over one, you know, the angels rejoice because uh, Jesus uh, mentioned, you know, the pr the principle of, you know, lost sheep, and then you go out to get one, and you bring that one out of the ninety-nine. There's a the the, the last one is, is is lost, and he said, "Go go get them," uh, because they are prey out there in the face of the enemy. And then when you bring them back, uh, heaven rejoices, and just one 
soul being uh, brought to the Lord. Amen on that, brother. So uh, I agree with that. The Bible agrees with that. And uh, we just pray that people will come to their senses like the prodigal son did. He came it to his, makes his me, senses. It makes me think but about I, that no, no matter what our background is. Yeah. And I just right. want to say this in, in the want, background. Yeah, I want to say this because the music coming. That there were, that I want to close on this. There were two prodigal sons because the other one was just as lost as the other because he represents the Pharisees who were self-righteous. All right, Brother Gary. Thank you, Brother Ray. All right. Well, please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time. And we once again give you opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.